Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Welcome to Legacy Nashville Church, and welcome into the presence of God. It is such a wonderful privilege that we have to enter into God's courts with praise, His gates with thanksgiving, and that's exactly where I want to start today. We are in the midst of so much chaos and craziness. If you're a part of this nation, you know exactly what I'm talking about. All you have to do is turn on social media or the news or scroll through the headlines. There's a lot of craziness going on. Also sickness and disease and death through COVID and the spikes of cases that are happening all over the world right now. And as we are getting started, you know, we, we here are, we're doing church online because of um, cases both in our city and in our community. I was one of the people affected uh, by COVID and praise God, I have recovered. Thank you guys so much for praying for me. Uh, we so appreciate you guys covering our community all over the world. Uh, but we just need to pray. And I can hear you from your couch saying amen to that right now. Today is a day of prayer. Every day is a day of prayer if you're a believer. But I just sense specifically that what the Holy Spirit wanted to do through our sermon time today was remind us of his calling upon our lives to pray. You are called to pray. Let me say it again because I want you to really be reminded of this this morning, church. You are called to pray. God has referred to us as kings and as priests. And the job of the priesthood is not to be taken lightly. We have a responsibility we have a holy job description to minister to the Lord Jesus Christ in his presence as his priest. And so as we're kicking off today, I just want to invite you from the start, just right from the beginning here, if we could take a moment, please, and pray together. So if you want, you can bow your head, you can close your eyes, you can look at me on the screen, you can pray out loud, you can pray under your breath if you'd like, but we're just going to begin with some prayer right now. Lord Jesus, we say thank you so much for letting us be together even if that's online, God, we know that your hand of blessing is all over our time together today. Lord, we thank you that you are omnipresent. We thank you that wherever people are tuning in from, you are right there. You are right there looking them in the eye, calling them your beloved. You are right there showering them with peace and with grace today, covering them with your blood, healing them with your virtue, Lord. We pray right now over every single person that is watching this that is sick, that you would be healed right now in the name of Jesus Christ. We release the finished work of the cross. We plead the blood of Jesus over your body. We declare that you are being made whole right now as the blood of Jesus moves through your body. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome you, Lord. We welcome the power of prayer that was flowing through the life and the ministry of Jesus to fill us today, that we would not be negligent in the place of prayer, but that we would be presence people. That's what you've called this house, Lord, and we declare it is so. We will be people of your presence. We will be people of prayer. We will be people of intercession. We will be people who will continually go, come before you and bombard, bombard 
the gates of heaven, coming before the throne of grace boldly, coming before our Father boldly with confidence, knowing that we are accepted, not because of our good works, but because of the works of Jesus. Amen, church? Because of the great works of Jesus. Come on, wherever you are right now, could you just take a moment to remember the great work of Jesus, the marvelous work of Jesus, the saving work of Jesus, the redemptive, powerful work of Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross for you and I. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Lord Jesus, we praise you. You are victorious today. You're not confused about COVID. You're not shaking in your boots up on the throne, Lord. You are not scared. You're not worried. You're not unconfident, Lord. You know exactly what you're doing and your plans will prevail because you are God. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we worship you today. Lord, may the Holy Spirit anoint our time this morning as we open up the Scripture. May you move through the screens. May you move through YouTube and Facebook and wherever else people are watching today to fill them with a renewed passion to pray. And if you can hear me now, say, I receive that. I receive a renewed passion passion to pray. Come on, if you don't mind, just say that with me. I receive a renewed passion to pray. One more time. I receive it, Lord. I receive a renewed passion to pray. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen and amen. You know, it's always an interesting time whenever I begin to study for a new sermon series. And a few weeks ago, prior to getting sick, COVID hit me, you guys, like a freight train. I know everybody's different and, you know, for whatever reason, you know, men and our man colds and how we get sick and go down for the count. My wife was sick for about a day and a half and then, you know, here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm out of quarantine. I'm better still coming back, but man, it was, it was rough. And so I was in bed, I was learning, I was taking some college classes, watching some documentaries, and uh, having some trouble bouncing back. It was almost like things could go into my brain, but I was struggling to get anything out. So I didn't do a whole lot of sermon prep while I was sick, but just before I got sick, I was praying, asking the Lord, God, where would you, where would you have us to go next uh, in the scripture? Where would you have our community to journey together? And what topic of, of study would you have us engage in? And I was on a prayer walk because it's been pretty nice off and on here in the fall in Nashville. And I felt like the Lord was reminding me of his prayer, the prayer we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. And, you know, it's not something I've really taught on very often, but it's not something that I'm necessarily going to teach on today. It's more so something I'm going to pray through today. And I'm going to invite you as a member of this family, as a part of this community, to pray through it with me. So as I'm, as I'm on this prayer walk, I'm, I'm, I'm praying and say, okay, God, I'm going to do the Lord's Prayer. You want me to talk about the Lord's Prayer? I'll talk about the Lord's Prayer. Amen. That sounds good. And then I pull up YouTube last week and some of my best friends, preachers uh, from other churches, are starting a sermon series on the Lord's Prayer, believe it or not. And then uh, I, I like to get on YouTube just before bed. Sometimes I'll watch messages or I'll watch uh, uh, restoration videos. I don't know why. I'm into that at, late at night. You know, it just helps me fall asleep. And then I noticed one of my favorite preachers uh, that I've been listening to on YouTube was starting a sermon series on the Lord's Prayer. And so I thought, you know what, we're, we're tuned in here. We're dialed into the same frequency. 
Anytime God starts releasing a word and speaking, it's uh, not uncommon for many people to receive that same word at the same time because it's what the Spirit is speaking. And I believe with everything in me that the Spirit is speaking a simple word, which is the word of prayer. Uh, the message that I have for you today is simply uh, called a call to prayer. I believe that the Holy Spirit is inviting people into the place of prayer again. I believe that the Holy Spirit is moving on people's hearts to pray more often and pray like they once did. Oftentimes we talk a bit about first love. We talk about the fire of first love here at Legacy Nashville. We know in the book of Revelation there was a church called Laodicea that was rebuked uh, by the Spirit of God for losing the passion and the fire of their first love. And they were uh, corrected to return to the works that they did at first. I know a lot of times we think about that being somewhat religious. Oh, well, you know, now that I've evolved as a believer, I don't have to do all those works. You know, it's grace that I'm saved by, not by my work or, or persistence in prayer. But I want you to recollect upon the first works that you did when you got saved. You weren't being religious about prayer. You were simply in love. You were so in love that when somebody whispered the name of Jesus over a coffee, a tear came to your eye because you were moved with emotion because of what God had done in your life through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I believe, church, it's time for us to return to the works of first love. It's time for us to return to that place of passion in prayer. You know what I'm talking about, those times when it was not an inconvenience for the spirit to disrupt your sleep at 4.15 in the morning and for you to get up early before work and crawl out of bed in the cold and find a spot where you would pray in the living room, knelt down before your couch, lifting your hands in the presence of God and just weeping, crying out to God to move upon your heart again. That's what I'm talking about, church. God is calling us back to that place. That place of intercession when somebody out in public or at the supermarket said, would you pray for me? And you said, we're going to pray right now. You know what I'm talking about. And sometimes that freaks people out. Their eyes get all big and they say, right now? Are you serious? You're going to pray? Oh, we're going to pray right now. We're, we might be in the mall parking lot. We're about to throw down. You know what I'm talking about, church. And that's the type of works that I believe that God is calling us to get back to. The type of works that just doesn't let devotionals slide, you know, by the wayside. It doesn't let them just, you know, it's fine. It's not really a big deal. God knows my heart. How often have we said that in this last season? How often have we traded in devotional time for social media time? How often have we traded in intercessory, intercessory prayer to pray for other people, to pray for the affairs that are happening right now in our nation, to pray for the state of the world? How often have we traded that in for just a little uh, time of boredom flipping through uh, shows or binge watching another show. Uh, you know, it's, it's not that I think any of these things are necessarily bad to enjoy your time and enjoy your family and enjoy your free time and, and you know, get on social media, see what your friends are up to, post something or watch a movie. I, I do those things too. But we cannot do these things in place of our responsibility to be God's priest. God is looking for people who will stand up again and not neglect the first works, not pass over them as though they are elementary. Just because they're fundamental does not mean that they're elementary. 
Just because they are the things that we do at first does not mean that they deserve to be glossed over as though they are only to be done by children in the faith. No, these are the things that we must stick to. We got to stick to our guns. We got to stick to the fundamentals. We got to stick to our faith. We got to stick to prayer and to intercession and to seeking God first, seeking God last, seeking God as the priority of our lives. Because this is the anchor of our souls. This is what holds us when waves of doctrine want to toss us to and fro, back and forth with people, you know, posting and saying and sharing philosophy. I mean, we're seeing that come through every single feed that we have uh, access to right now. And that place of prayer is what keeps us anchored, that place of Bible study, that place of simple devotion, that place of simple obedience, a call to prayer, a call to prayer. Lord, would you call us back to the place of prayer today in the name of Jesus? Lord, would you call us back to simple devotion today in the name of Jesus? Lord, we repent for all of the distractions that we've allowed to get in the way. Lord, we repent for exchanging our time with you with things that simply do not matter that much. Lord, would you remind us of our first love today? As we navigate through the Lord's Prayer, would you remind us of the passion that you have for us and that that passion would fill our hearts so that we'd have that same passion for you? Lord, help us today in Jesus' name. Help us, Lord. Matthew chapter 6, I want to read to you guys the Lord's Prayer, and you probably can quote it with me, but let me hit just the beginning part of Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 5, the beginning part of the Lord's Prayer, because this is a response to the disciples asking Jesus how to pray. Now, I know sometimes we like to read through the scriptures uh, and read the, you know, the conversations that the, that the disciples have. And we, we, we look at it, we're like, I would never do that. You know, I would never say those things. Can you believe, Peter? Can you believe, James? Can you believe Doubting Thomas that he would think like that, you know? Uh, we read ourselves into the scriptures as though we would be so much greater than them. Our, our commitment would be so much greater. Our understanding and our clarity would be uh, so much greater. But in reality, we are very similar. Uh, we're, we're simple human beings, completely dependent upon the grace of Jesus, just like the disciples. We're dependent upon the same Holy Spirit. We have the same Holy Spirit. And I think if we were honest with ourselves today, if we really gave the uh, you know, Holy Spirit the opportunity to do a little gut check here, uh, we know we should pray. We know we should pray, but we often neglect prayer. We know we, we know we should pray, but we don't really know how to pray. And, and you know, we say, oh, oh, well, let me pray. I'm, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. This is what I'm going to I'm going to make a decision to pray. Uh, but then when we, when, we, when we really think about it, we're like, I, I don't really know how to pray. And maybe you find yourself in that position today. And if that is the case, you have biblical company. The same men that followed Jesus each and every day, spent every waking moment with him for the most part for three years, were still confused about how to pray. They were following the Son of God. They were listening to the Messiah pray to his Father out loud, and yet they were confused about how to pray. They had listened to religious leaders pray. They had listened to pastors pray, if you will. They would listened to teachers pray, Pharisees, Sadducees. They had listened to high priests pray, and yet here they were confused about how to pray. So what they were going uh, from is from confusion to clarity in Matthew chapter 6 because they were receiving instructions from Jesus on how to approach the Father. You have to understand something about the Lord's Prayer. 
The Lord's Prayer was given to us by Jesus, which is why we call it the Lord's Prayer. But in reality, it should be called the Disciples' Prayer. Because in the Lord's Prayer, there is repentance of sin. And how many of you know, Jesus is the Messiah. He is sinless. Hallelujah. He never sinned, not once. And so what he's doing is he's offering a model for the disciple. He is offering instructions for you and I. We're saying, okay, God, we hear you. We feel you today, Holy Spirit. You're calling us to a place of prayer. Well, how do we pray? How do you want us to pray? How, how would you like for us to pray to bring you glory? How do we pray in alignment with your will? We don't want to pray amiss. We don't want to pray reluctantly. We don't want to pray and be off. We want to pray the way you've, you've asked us to pray. So how should we pray? So that's how Jesus responds uh, to that question in Matthew chapter 6. Here's what he says. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Now, something I actually was learning this week is uh, about the difference between the temple, which was singular, and synagogues, which were plural. So you can kind of think about the temple as the place where all the sacrifices took place. And then the synagogues were like our local churches. So they were all over the place. There were hundreds uh, all, throughout the, uh, all throughout the city. So you can, if you live in Nashville, you, you know what I'm talking about. You can kind of imagine very similar to here. There's just local churches all over the place. And so Jesus is telling them, listen, I don't want you to pray hypocritical prayers. I don't want you to pray like the people who love to stand up and pray in church. Uh-oh. Now, the room is not full, so I can't hear the collective conviction as, as, you know, as I normally can on Sunday. But that's essentially what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, these guys love to pray when people are paying attention. But other, other than that, they don't pray at all. You know why? Because they're hypocrites. They are hypocrites. Uh, they pray when everybody's looking. They pray on Sunday morning in the altar. They pray on the front row. They pray at the end of church. They pray when the preacher says, bow their head. But any other time, they are neglecting the place of prayer. They are coming to synagogue trying to pretend to be all spiritual. Oh, hallelujah. How are you, brother? Good to see you, sister. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yep, it's time to pray. I'm ready to pray. I'm revved up. I'm amped up. I'm ready to go today in church. But in reality, have not spent even a moment thinking about the scripture, thinking about Jesus, thinking about their relationship, thinking about their connection uh, with God, which is a contrast we're going to see here in a moment. As Jesus says, our Father, right, he, he comes at it from a completely different angle. He said, don't be like them, you know. They pray for one reason, so that they can be seen. They pray that they can be seen, and that's hypocritical praying. And truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. So let me ask you, why do you pray? Do you pray for the attention of men, or do you pray for the attention of God? Because one way is the way in which Jesus has prescribed us to pray, and the other way is how hypocrites pray. Hypocrites pray for the attention of people, not the attention of God. Don't pray like that. Jesus is telling us, hey, that's not how we're going to pray. That's not how you're called to pray. That's not how you're going to pray. You're not, you're not going to pray just for the sake of being seen, not by people. You're going to pray from a different perspective. And we're going to come to that in just a moment. But you, when you pray, I want you to go into your inner room, and I want you to close your door, and I want you to pray to your Father your Father who is in secret. I want you to pray to Him. And your Father 
who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So let me ask you a question. Uh, what kind of blessing would you like to receive as a result of your praying? Would you like to receive the blessing of the attention of men? Or would you like to pray in secret, not receive any attention from anybody, but receive the blessing that could only come from the Father alone? Now, I don't know where you are on what side of the conversation. I would rather receive, I would much rather receive the blessing that comes from the Father in secret. How about you? You know, you don't have to, you don't have to publicize every time you do a devotional. Every time you decide to get your Bible out and get your coffee in the morning, you don't have to do a selfie. You don't, you don't have to show everybody. You don't have to prove to anybody that you're being spiritual. In fact, I would almost encourage you to keep many of your moments of intimacy with the Father between you and Him. Because there is something about a reward that you get to receive as a result of handling, in the, handling it with that kind of sacredness and preciousness. Father, this is our time. This is, not, this is not social media time. Father, I, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm here for your heart. I'm here for our connection. I'm here for our relationship. I'm here for our friendship. I'm here for the love that you and I, I'm not here to show off. I'm not here to prove anything to anybody. I don't have anything to prove to my friends. I don't have anything to prove to my parents. I don't, I don't have anything to prove to the people who follow me online. I'm not here to prove anything. I'm in love. I'm in love with, a, with, with Jesus and, and nobody needs to know about every time that I whisper to him and he whispers to me. You know, there, there were times for, for me, church, when I, when I would do things that God would ask me to do and I intentionally would not tell anybody about them. You know, as a preacher, there's a great temptation to, to, temptation to do things that God asks you to do for the sake of sermon illustrations. And I know you guys wouldn't believe that about me. No, I, I know you wouldn't and I appreciate that so much. But let me tell you, that is, because I'm preaching so often, I'm constantly thinking, oh, man, this would be great to work this into a message, right? But, you know, there are certain things that I intentionally will never preach about. You know why? Because I don't want to violate the intimacy that I have with my Father. There are some things that should just stay between you and God. There are some things that I, I want to be between me and Him and Him alone. Because that is an intimacy that is reserved for my Father. It's not for anybody else. And I don't want the rewards that anybody else has to offer me. So I don't need to share it. Don't have to share it. Don't want to share it. You know why? Because I am living for a greater blessing. I am living for a greater reward. And that reward is not the things that God the Father can give me as a result of my prayers. It is simply Him showing up when I pray faithfully every single time to look me in the eye and say, you, son, have my full attention because I am your father. Now, who doesn't want to pray if that's the reward that you're guaranteed to get? Now, tell me one time for all of you fathers and mothers out there that your child has called you by name and has shown you from their heart purely that all they want to do is spend time with their daddy. Would you reject them? Absolutely not. All they want to do is spend time with their mommy. Would you say, turn around, go back to your room. I don't want anything to do with you. Absolutely not. And if, if we being evil, Jesus said, know how to give good gifts to our kids, how much more does our Father who is in heaven give us good gifts when we ask Him? If we ask Him for bread, He's not going to give us a stone. If we ask Him for a fish, He doesn't give us a serpent. If we come before the Lord and we say, our Father... 
I don't need the attention of people. I don't need the reward of people. I don't need the blessing of anybody. I'm not trying to impress anybody, God. I'm trying to spend time with my dad. Guys, come on. What kind of, what kind of reward is it that any time you mention the name of Jesus, you get Jesus? Are you serious? Like, we are that blessed. We are that blessed that any time we call upon his name, he shows up. And this is how Jesus says to pray. Don't, don't pray from the perspective of the hypocrites. Don't pray from the perspective of the religious folks that are just, just praying to be seen. Hey, pray from a different perspective. Pray from the perspective of a, of a son. Pray from the perspective of a daughter. And then he goes on and he says, and when you are praying, see, Jesus assumes you're going to be praying, okay? It's not, hey, when you feel like praying, hey, you know, when you finally get back to praying again. No, he said, look, when you're praying, this is something any disciple does as, as, as this is our job description, if you will. We pray. We pray. This is what we do as priests. And when you're praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, uh, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. Do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. Now, in a different translation, some people would say pagans, right? And so we kind of get an understanding. These are people who don't necessarily know God on a heart level. But they are expecting to receive something from God because of their hyper-religious activity or their repetitious praying over and over and over and over because they're expecting, man, if I would just pray enough, if I would just do enough, if I would repeat this mantra enough, if I could condition my heart, if I could condition my mind, if I could read enough affirmations, then you know what would happen? My life would get better. God would probably bless me because I would have impressed him by my ability to pray to him rather than me simply receive uh, from being impressed by his ability to bless me as a good father. These are people who don't know God. And so what they're doing is they're praying over and over and over, hoping to somehow reluctantly talk God into doing something for them when in fact they have God's ear the whole time because they're his child. So that's what he's getting at here. He said, look, I don't want you to, I don't want you to approach me from the standpoint of the religious and I don't want you to approach me from the standpoint of the repetitious the pagans, the Gentiles, the people who are not in covenant with me. Listen, you don't, have to, you don't have to manipulate me. That's essentially what God is saying. I'm your dad. I love you. You don't have to twist my arm to get me to bless you. I already want to bless you. I created you. I fashioned you. I formed you. I made sure you were, you, your, your mom uh, gave birth to you. Right? I already, you have my attention. What do you want? I'm here. I'm ready. You don't have to keep saying the same thing over and over again. Right? You guys get what I'm saying? So that's what he's saying. He said, don't approach me like this. This is hypocritical. This is paganistic. This is people who are outside of the covenant uh, with me. I want you to actually approach me in a different way. And here's how it starts. Approach me like this. Pray. When you pray, pray like this. Our Father. Now, see, that's a completely different way of approaching God, isn't it? I mean, that, when we think about prayer, church, so oftentimes we think, if we're honest... We think about those first two ways. Man, I, you know, I'm going to have to, you know, get energetic enough and, you know, make sure everybody knows I'm praying, knows I'm spiritual. Man, I'm going to have to pray hard enough, pray long enough, and fast long enough, and I'm going to have to, you know, twist God's arm. Man, if I, just, if I just pray harder, he'd probably do something in my life. 
No, Jesus says, look, when you come before the Lord, come before the Lord like this, as a child. Say, my dad. Because essentially that's, if you could translate it into our modern vernacular, it'd be like, my daddy, right? That's what Abba is. My dad, who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm sure many of you can quote that. Well, I want to pray through a little bit of it. I'm not going to make it all the way through for the sake of time, but I just want to pray through a little bit of it with you and maybe break down a few components here at the beginning. But the first thing is this. You will never notice uh, any supplication or request uh, from one individual. And what I mean by that is there are no personal pronouns that are um, not me, at least. Me, everything is our. Do you notice that? Because when you pray the Lord's Prayer, when you approach God uh, with the model that Jesus has given you to approach God with, is you are leaving behind your independence in such a way that you are acknowledging that you are interdependent uh, uh, upon the community of God and you are completely dependent upon God as a part of this community of children. You're saying, our Father. You are recognizing that other people are image bearers along with you and you are just as dependent upon his hand of blessing as they are. You're not simply coming to God for yourself. You're not coming to God uh, just selfishly even, but you're coming to God as part of the family. You're saying, it's not just my dad, but it's our father. So I'm coming to God uh, on behalf of the family, on behalf of the community, on behalf of my church, on behalf of my family, on behalf of you know, myself, my, my wife, my kids. So you're, you're prepared, your heart posture is that way. It's not selfish, it's not independent, it's, it's interdependent, and it's dependent upon him. And that's how we're approaching God. And we're saying, our Father, our Father. Whenever I, I use this model all the time for my own uh, personal prayer, when I do, I just say, our Father, our Father. It's just me, I'm letting you into some of my prayer time, okay? I say, our, our Father, our Father, Father, I want to thank you for being a father to legacy. Thank you for being our father. Lord, anybody that does not know that they are a son, Lord, encounter their hearts right now. Any, anybody out there that doesn't know that they're a daughter, encounter their hearts right now. Lord, forgive me for any way that I've overlooked the needs of others and put my needs above theirs in seeking you, Lord. I'm coming before you today, Father, and I'm asking you to bless this community, bless this family. Lord, help us to understand that we have the privilege of knowing you as dad. You're, you're not a distant deity. You're not somebody who's far off that we have to impress. Lord, we don't have to manipulate you. Lord, let our family know how good you are. And how desperate you are to bless and protect your kids, Lord. Father, I love you, Father. I'm coming before you today as a son. I'm saying you're a good dad. You're a good father. Wow. Like you are so gracious. I am so grateful for how gracious you are, Father. 
And then see, right there, I'm on my way. I'm, I'm on my prayer walk. I'm on my way, and I've acknowledged that God is not far off, that God is with me, and he's my dad, and he's ready to talk to me as his child. Now, that is a really great way to start your prayer time. I don't know if you would agree with me or not, but I just think it's so refreshing to know that when you start your prayer time, you don't have to do anything to get God to listen, that before you're even ready to talk, he's already paying attention. Now, that is a good father. Our father, what does it say next? Who is in heaven? Who is in heaven? Right? See, even the prayer that Jesus gives us to pray helps us to construct an appropriate theology. Our Father who is in heaven, where is God's throne? It is in heaven, right? Uh, that, is, that is where God resides. That's where the cloud of witnesses, that's where you're going. That, that's our eternal uh, destination, right? Is that we are going to get to spend eternity forever with Jesus in worship uh, along with the community of God, right, in paradise with him. That's where God's throne is. That's where the 24 elders are. That's where the four living creatures are. That's where worship consistently and continually every day, every moment is going on before God. He is in heaven. And if you read the Bible, Revelation chapter 4, for instance, you're praying this prayer. Now all of a sudden you have a visual, oh man, Father, you're in heaven. There are crowns being thrown at your feet right now. And that's something I like to do in prayer as well. God, I take every crown off of my head right now and I throw it at your feet. Every compliment, every accolade, anything about me that I think is great, Lord, I throw it at your feet because you're in heaven. And that's where, I, that's where I get to be with you forever. God, would you show me? Father, would you show us what heaven is like? Oh, thank you for reminding me of, of my eternal purpose and destination that I'm going to get to be with my dad in the heavenlies. My father who is in heaven. Now, what's the next word? Holy is your name. Now, the, the King James, the old school, right, they'd say hallowed, which is not a word that we use ever for any reason at all anymore, right? But that word is really, is a kind of a sacred word, right? Like hallowed. You ever think about that? Like, because a lot of times we think about holy and like holy's even become somewhat of a cultural term. And, you know, I mean, like there was just a, what Bieber just came out with a song. You know, holy is kind of a, you know, a, a word that we're starting to use a little bit more often, see a little bit more often. But, but holy is like the fear of the Lord, the reverence of God, the uniqueness. Um, you know, it's, um, I, I heard the Bible Project. If you watch those videos on YouTube, they were talking about God's holiness being like the sun, you know, you get close, it's not something to play around with. It's very unique. It's very grand. It's very big. It's something that, uh, you know, is deserving of a healthy fear, right? And that is what we are saying in the Lord's Prayer about the Father's name, that it is worthy of reverence, that it is big, that it is unique, that it is all-powerful, that it is special, that it's different, it's unique. It's something that is hallowed. It's sacred. It's something that we don't take for granted. It's something that we don't marginalize or minimize. This is the Father, and His name is holy. Not only is He holy, not only is His presence holy, not only is His throne holy, which is up in heaven, which we just talked about, but His 
name is holy. Now, how amazing is that? You ever think about that? That God's name is holy. Not just his person. Not just, not, just, not just his words, the messages that he's given us through the scripture. Not just his garments, you know, the hem of his garment that stopped the issue of blood when the woman touched. No, no, his name is holy. And I don't know about you, but my name, Lyle Phillips, right, comes from my dad. <laughs> that means that if his name is holy, what is your name? You are holy. Now, think how we've, we've made it through just like literally... Two lines of the Lord's Prayer here. Now, and I hope this is blessing your prayer life. Because this is what you start to think about and meditate upon as you pray in the way that Jesus has prescribed you to pray. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. And this is, this is the way I would do that. Say, Lord, thank you that you've made me holy as you are holy. Thank you that I get to be your son and I get to take upon your name. That means if your name is holy, God, that means my name is holy. Wow. You have set me apart, Lord. You've consecrated me as a son, and you've made me to be holy. Not on my own works, Lord, but by your works. Thank you, Father, for your righteousness. Thank you, Father, for your holiness. I have no ability. I am completely dependent upon your righteousness. I am completely dependent upon your holiness. My, my righteousness is as filthy rags to you is what your word says. But because you're my dad and you've given me your name, I have become holy because I am your child. Wow. Doesn't that just give you a, a grace to, to walk out of the prayer closet and step into your day knowing that no matter what comes your way, no matter what comes against you, no matter what temptation the enemy offers you, your identity is grounded and rooted not in your ability but in the holiness of your dad and you are his offspring. Wow. See, this is what prayer does. Prayer is not always to get revelation. Sometimes prayer is to receive reminders. You know, a lot of times we think about devos. It's like, man, I'm going to get something to tweet. i got to get me a nug, <laughs> which I appreciate that. Jamie always posts me on Sunday about the nugs, and I like that. But a lot of times we have to think about, you know, it's like, oh, man, i got to get me a gold nugget. i got to get me something to put on Instagram. i got to get me something to share. i got to get me a little a quotable. Sometimes you don't need revelation. Sometimes you just need to be reminded. And even when you don't get revelation does not mean that you didn't have a good prayer time, okay? Sometimes just getting reminded is what you need. We read it right here. Listen, the Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. Don't gauge the success of your prayers on the basis of you receiving what you wanted before you prayed. God is faithful to give you exactly what you need because He is a good dad. So holy is your name. Now, here's the last part. It's where I want to end today. Your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. And we just prayed about, about God being in heaven, right? What's happening in heaven? You ever think about that just for a moment, just for, just for a minute, just think about heaven. Man, what a contrast to what's happening right now in our world. You know, we, we, we have sickness and disease here right now. We have plague here right now. There's plenty of things that the Bible has shared with us about how to confront plagues, right? Uh, why is that? Because there is a greater reality in the kingdom of our Father that, that, that supersedes 
any authority of any sickness, any disease, any plague. By his stripes, we are healed. There's going to be no death in heaven. There's going to be no sickness in heaven. There's going to be no disease in heaven. There's going to be no bacteria in heaven. There's going to be no cancer in heaven. There's going to be no leukemia in heaven. There's going to be no COVID in heaven. There's going to be no headaches. You're going to be able to smell and taste at the marriage supper of the Lamb, okay? I lost my smell and taste in the midst of the COVID. So, you know, look. All of those things have been placed under the feet of our Father. You know why? Because those things are going on here on the earth. And we know that Psalm says that the earth is the very footstool of God. That means that what is happening in heaven is a superior reality to what is happening here on earth. So whenever God tells us, Jesus gives us this model and says, right, here's what I want you to pray. Your kingdom come. What we're praying is for a, sup a superior supernatural reality to supersede our current present tense circumstances here upon the earth and for the atmosphere of earth to be displaced by the atmosphere of heaven. If there is no sickness happening in heaven and we pray your kingdom come, then what should be, must be, will be our reality here upon the earth, that there will be no sickness. When the kingdom comes, right? That's why whenever Jesus sent his disciples out, he said, look, I want you to go and I want you to heal the sick. I want you to cleanse the leper. I want you to raise the dead. I, you know, I want the blind to see. I want the deaf to hear. I want, you, I want the lame to walk. I want you to preach the gospel of the poor. And whenever, whenever uh, the, the supernatural, superior reality of my kingdom uh, moves, here's what's going to happen. All that stuff is going to, they're going to get healed. There's going to be a supernatural manifestation of my kingdom that's going to come. And then here's what I want you to say to them. The kingdom of God has come near you. Remember that? Remember when Jesus, that's what I want you to say. The kingdom of God has come upon you, right? Because what he is teaching us to pray right here is exactly what he gave the disciples to do. He said, I want you to go and I want you to pray this prayer. God, your kingdom come. And here's what's going to happen when you do. People are going to get healed. People are going to get healed. Right now, with all the COVID cases spiking, we need the kingdom to come. I think we could all agree with that. With, with folks in our families who are sick, we need the kingdom to come. With, with, with people who are going through depression in the midst of isolation right now, we need the kingdom to come. People are having suicidal thoughts right now. They've been depressed for a number of months. They've been isolated for a number of months. They're considering killing themselves. We need the kingdom to come. And if that's you this morning and you found your way onto this YouTube channel and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, that's me, I... I, I I don't know how I even got here. It's by an accident. It's because the kingdom of God is coming upon you right now. And we speak to you the same way that the disciples spoke to those that Jesus called them to preach to. And we say, receive the kingdom of heaven. Suicidal thoughts, go. Depression, go. Pain and sickness and disease, go. Healing, come. Because we pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. Your kingdom come. So what's happening in heaven? What's the atmosphere of heaven? I'll tell you this. The atmosphere of heaven is peace. What is the culture of heaven? I'll tell you this. The culture of heaven is joy. You know? It's a, it's a, it's a continual, triumphant festivity of we, we are celebrating the lordship of Jesus. We're celebrating Jesus. Right? That's why we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's a party, man. We are celebrating covenant Joy is serious business in heaven. In a season in which nobody is supposed to be happy, everybody is supposed to be down in the dumps, what we do as kingdom people who sense and receive and obey a call to prayer 
is we come into prayer and we say, God, your kingdom come. And what that means is as the kingdom comes upon us, we carry a different spirit in the, into the darkness. We bring joy. We bring peace. We bring righteousness. We bring love. We bring faithfulness. We bring temperance. We bring long-suffering. We bring things that the world uh, doesn't, does, does not participate in at all, but we bring that superior kingdom. Why? Because we're praying, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, I love it. It says, your will be done. And, and will is one of those things that's somewhat controversial, isn't it? Because oftentimes when we're praying, we say, well, if it be God's will, Right? So how do we know what God's will is? It's whatever he's doing in heaven. That's what he wants to do here. That's his will. Uh, so if there's no sick people in heaven, his will is to bring heaven and heal the sick people. If there's no poor people in heaven, what, what is God's will? It is to bless me. I, I know that is, that is increasingly controversial. But there is literally streets that are paved with gold, which is why there is nobody bankrupt in heaven, all right? There's no beggars on the streets of gold leaning back into the walls of Jasper, all right? It's like there are precious stones. There's all kinds of wealth. There's opulence. There are mansions, right? Did you guys hear that part? Jesus said, look, I'm going to go and I'm going to build you a mansion. That sounds like a lot of wealth, right? And so what is God's will? His will is for that reality to come into our reality. So if we believe that for sickness, I believe we should believe that for finances in our life. I believe we should, we, we should have faith for all things that are good and pleasant that are happening in the heavenlies to feel our reality here, to supersede our reality here. And it does not matter how dark it is. It doesn't matter how dim uh, it looks. It doesn't matter uh, how, how scary it may seem in the moment. Here's God's perfect will that is kingdom would come and that his will would be done on the earth as it is in heaven, as it is in heaven. And so what's happening in heaven today, that's exactly what we're going to pray into. So if you don't mind, I, I want to pray with you right now and, uh, and, and really dive in to some prayer as we're closing. Just pray for a little bit here. And I, I want you to know that prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. I know that you know that. And, and that's something that we say often. Oh, prayer changes things. But then how often have we neglected prayer? Amen? We, we know that that's the case. Uh, I remembered those bracelets this week. Uh, you guys remember the bracelets? Not WWJD, but push, right? Pray until something happens. Uh, I, as a, I think as a teenager, those were popular. And uh, I believe I had one of the push uh, bracelets. Or How often do we say to somebody, hey, I'm going to be praying for you, man. And then we don't. Right? You guys know what I'm talking about. Hey, man, pray for Yeah, I'm going to pray for you. Well, nothing changed. I didn't get any better. It, it, that, nothing, nothing shifted, right? That we're using this prescription. We're using this model. Um, and this is, what, this is the way in which Jesus has asked us to pray. And, and prayer makes a difference. Prayer makes a difference. Uh, the Scripture teaches us that the prayers of the righteous person uh, has much effect King James says it, avail, it avails much. It means it makes things, um, it brings breakthrough. It, there, it, prayer makes a difference. One of the big ways that prayers ma prayer makes a difference is in you, the person praying. Listen, God is not reluctant to move on your behalf. He wants to move on your half, uh, behalf. A big part of praying is simply coming to the understanding of what his will is 
so that we can yield to it. So we sit in prayer and we pray and we, we, might, we might pray our will at first. I do it all the time. I don't know about you. God, I need you to do this. God, I want you to do this. But as we sit in prayer, what do we begin to understand? His will. I think if we're honest, a lot of times that's what we consider prayer. Uh, God, your kingdom come. My will be done. That's not how Jesus taught us to pray, right? He said, no, his will be done. So as I was, as I was thinking about the power of prayer this week, I was reminded of a, a book that I read years ago um, about a gentleman named Reese Howes. Um, and there was a book called The Intercessor by, uh, about Reese Howes. And I would encourage you guys to pick it up if you get an opportunity to, to dive into a new book. And Reese Howes uh, was a gentleman that became a missionary to South Africa uh, around pre-World War II time. And he was a missionary there, saw thousands of people give their lives to Jesus, he and his wife. They ended up moving back um, to Wales, which is where he was initially uh, discipled. Uh, the Welsh revival, as most of you know, exploded uh, in, in Wales in the um, 20th, early 20th century. And, um, and so he was, a, he was a disciple, and so he was bred in revival, and he felt that God had called him to start a Bible college uh, in Wales called the Wales Bible College. And pretty, pretty soon after he had started Wales Bible College, he and his wife, very devout people, uh, World War II began. And so what Reese Howes decided to do was to host a prayer meeting from the moment World War II began, every single night, seven days a week, 365 days a year, starting at 7 p.m. every night, and they would pray to midnight or later. And he would do that, he and his wife, his kids, uh, Samuel, who went on to carry on the work, and uh, I believe until, uh, until the 50s, if I'm not mistaken, and the entire student body of the Wales Bible College. They would pray. This is what they would do. And I, you know, I, I came across a testimony. Some of you have seen the movie Dunkirk. Uh, it's, it's a military movie. If you've not seen I, I believe I've seen it years ago. <clears throat> and one of the things that the movie doesn't, movie doesn't include, because they very well didn't even know about, is what made the difference in the Battle of Dunkirk was not what was happening on the battlefield during the evacuation of Dunkirk, but what was happening in this tiny Bible college in Wales where Reese Howes and his wife and the student body had come together for intercession to pray for the men at Dunkirk. So the way that the story goes is like this. Um, they received news. It's in May of, um, well, I wrote down the date. I can't remember now, but you guys can Google it as well. Uh, it's in May, 20, May 27, 1940. Reese Howes had written in his, his diary, It is as much as I can do to believe today. The news between our two prayer meetings today were awful. It was really hell upon earth. And on, on May the 28th, um, they had heard about the evacuation that needed to happen at Dunkirk. And there were 340,000 soldiers that were trapped. And on May the 28th, he and his Bible college went into prayer to pray for these soldiers. And by the end of the prayer meeting, there was one individual that stood up and said, I feel sure now that something has happened. And they, they have no way of explaining this today. Uh, 
you know, military history has no way of explaining this today, but Hitler made a call to back off uh, of, of what was happening there at Dunkirk, and 340,000 soldiers, which were dead in the water, were rescued uh, over a few days period, and, and Reese Howes and the student body and his wife and everybody there at Wells Bible College, they believed with everything in them that as a result of their time in prayer, as a result of their intercession, and as a result of them praying in alignment with the will of God for these 340,000 people that would otherwise have been massacred, that there was, there was a rescue and that there was a redemption as a result of their prayers. And if you go back and you read through the book of it, uh, called The Intercessor, you're going to see countless testimonies. That's just one testimony. That There's countless testimonies of how God used uh, this family, this community, this church, this Bible college to pray into alignment with his will to literally see history shaped and made and a difference made and changes made and, and for history to be different because they chose to pray. Now, that is the type of authority that is resting upon our life, church. That is the type of anointing that is resting upon your prayers. That is how God longs to move as a result of your obedience in the place of prayer. So I want you right now, even for just a moment, even for the next 30 seconds, to find that secret place in your heart. And I want you to begin to pray right now. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. You're our Father. Perhaps we've been afraid to come to you for quite some time, but now we're coming before the throne of grace boldly. Lord, we repent for how we've neglected prayer, Lord. We repent for how we've neglected the secret place. Lord, we repent for how we've ignored your beckoning call to us, asking us to dive deeper with you in this season. God, forgive us. Wash our hands, wash our hearts with your blood. We repent. And Lord, today we make a commitment that we will come before you, our Father, who is in heaven. Holy is your name. We say you are holy, God. And we thank you for purifying us by your blood that we might approach you in your holiness, Lord. We thank you that you've invited us in as sons and daughters. And we pray, God, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come right now over our nation. Your kingdom come right now over the states, over all, uh, all the 50 states that uh, they're going through different things right now, God. We pray in Jesus' name that your kingdom would come. We pray that your kingdom would come over Nashville. We, we pray that your kingdom would come over our homes. We pray that your kingdom would come over our health. We pray that your kingdom would come over our families. We pray that your kingdom would come over our marriages. We pray that your kingdom would come over our jobs and over our finances, Lord. Let your perfect will be released in Jesus' name today. May your perfect will be released on earth, on earth, right here, right now, God. We're not waiting for another generation to receive the outpouring of God. We're not waiting and expecting you to do something at some point in the future. God, we want to experience revival right here, right now. And Lord, what a setup. What a setup. What a setup. The nations are in an uproar. People making all kinds of different plans. People talking bad about each other. Uh, things are being, you know, all just all over the place. What a setup, God, for you to crash in and bring peace and bring joy and bring righteousness and bring your kingdom. Lord, may we be witnesses and may we testify to that superior reality of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen and amen. Legacy.
Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.